In a time of midlife confusion, I imagined being the editor of a newspaper. Ben Bradley was the model, once a foreign correspondent, a handsome devil, profane and provocative, the leader of a newspaper uncovering low doings in high places. Other sports writers had risen to the top. Joe McGuff did it in Kansas City, Bill Millsaps in Richmond. James Reston of the New York Times was a sports writer before he became an oracle in the swampland around the nation's capital. I whispered my secret ambition to a friend. He was aghast. He said, why would you take a demotion? I admit the man had a point. Only a fool would ask for an end to all the fun in a sports writer's life. They pay you to go to games. Even better, if you like to write, they pay you for that too. And hot dogs, press boxes, have long kept the hot dog industry in business. Of course, it was also true that no owner of a newspaper ever looked upon my wardrobe of mustard-stained golf shirts and thought I might be a corporate chieftain fit to run his money machine. So here I am, a sports writer. I came from small-town America to work for great newspapers and magazines, Ben Bradley's for one. Then, after five or six decades at it, I closed the circle by returning to Illinois. I thought my typing days were over. Instead, one happy thing led to another, and I found myself having fun again, this time writing about a girls' high school basketball team. This takes some explaining. It is a three-act story. In Act One, Muhammad Ali, the greatest of all time, is a constant presence, our lives moving in tandem from youth to old age. There are Super Bowls, World Series, Olympics, a movie goddess, terrorists, a bomb, a libel suit, and a trip around the world playing golf in 22 countries on four continents, last at Pebble Beach and Augusta National. A friend eaten up with envy spoke of that trip as the mother of all boondoggles. My traveling partner, Tom Callahan, said, we prefer to think of it as a calling from God. In Act Two, at an age when most people know better than to start over, I start over. I go back to those small Illinois towns, into those little gyms surrounded by cornfields. I get lucky with Morton High School's Lady Potters, Across the dozen seasons, they win so often with such selfless grace that I call them the Golden State Warriors, only with ponytails. Also, when my life turns dark, those girls lead me into light. Act three, like all third acts, is a mystery waiting to be solved. Scenes from Act One. Muhammad Ali was 24, I was 25. He was already a star, known for changing his name from Cassius Clay and beating Sonny Liston. I was new in Louisville, an untested rookie up from the Bush Leagues and chained to the copy desk. A boss came by and said, Clay's in town, go find him. For the next 50 years, I hung with Ali in the usual places, at ringsides coast to coast and in unusual places, including Las Vegas, where he raised the corner of a bedsheet, invited me in to do an interview with Louisville, come here. Another time, we went into a forlorn Philadelphia funeral home to see a man who had been shot and killed at an Ali fight. To visit a youth camp in the Pennsylvania mountains, Ali drove one hand on the wheel 
and God only knows what speed, down a skinny, rutted logging road through a forest. I ask, you ever think of dying? He said, you don't ever want to die. I said, glad to hear that. Terrorists changed the world during the 1972 Olympics in Munich, and I stood below Building 31, watching a killer with a machine gun on patrol outside rooms where Israelis had been murdered. 24 years later, at another Olympics, a bomb exploded in Atlanta. Outside Richard Jewell's apartment, I stood in a parking lot with television crews staking out the news, Jewell sitting alone in a stairwell. The Olympic security guard first hailed as a hero, then named by the FBI as a suspect, and finally confirmed as a hero.